Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Oh, it works. Technology, I've done it. So I might as well come down from the stage now. I've achieved something. Well, as Sim said, my name's Judith Kirkland. We've been in this church with Neil, the wonderful Neil, my husband, for 28 years. We have four children. Beth, who is now a Tanton, she has left the Kirkland clan. Joel, Isaac, and Simeon, three of which are here this morning, which is very exciting. I've been a follower of Jesus for over 45 years, and I have to condense it into 10 minutes, so I'm going to try with Jude's gems this morning. Now, if you know about gems, it takes a lot of work. They're hidden in darkness. They need to be eked out. They need to be hammered. And that's what my journey's about. And I'm going to try and be really honest with you this morning, okay? Because it's been tough at times. And I want to bring that out to you, that it is not easy being a follower of Jesus. And to demonstrate that, I have here this nutcracker. Ready for Christmas, okay? The hardest sort of nut. And actually, I do feel being a follower of Jesus has been like that at times, okay? We can be rooted in Christ when we become a Christian. I became a Christian as a child and heard about Jesus. I was rooted from that moment, but my shoots were not coming out. I wasn't growing green. And it's only really later on when I went to university, I started to take on what it meant to follow Jesus and to love him and to do the best I could for him. So it's hard, let's be honest. And at times, God holds us tight in his grip. And then sometimes he just lets go slightly. But you know what? And I can be really honest here. He never lets us fall out of his hand. You might have experienced time when it's like that. You're hearing God. You're feeling God. It's amazing. But a lot of the time, it's not like that. And he lets us go. But he never lets us fall out of that hand. So here we are, and it's tough. Oh, and it's really tough. And there we are, and the bit, good bit's in the middle. And it's worth persevering. I just thank Jesus, that I still follow him. Because at times, I haven't wanted to. I wanted to take the easier path. I wanted to have that relationship. But he's drawn me back and he said, no. He said, don't do it. And this is a great verse. Isaiah 45, verse 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places. Yeah, those treasures are in that darkness where those gems are. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. We've got to dig deep. We've got to squeeze. We've got to press into God. And the rewards are eternal. The rewards are eternal. I've lived for 45 years plus as a follower of Jesus. And I stand here today and tell you there is no other way for me to live. I am so thankful I have kept with God and followed him. So here are some of the gems I learned when I first became a Christian and some I have added in along the way. Prayer, the most amazing gem. On your own, chatting to God, being down at the beach, all these different ways of being creative with prayer. 
Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop talking to him. When I first became a Christian, my family didn't like it as a child. I came from quite a passive-aggressive or manipulative family that did not want me to follow Jesus. It was hard. I had to dig deep. But I had friends I could pray with in partners. I've still got special friends I just go to and we pray together for things. They walk alongside me, help me to be a better follower. I've been married now for 33 years and there's not a morning goes by where I don't pray with Neil. So if you're married out there, that is the essential thing, the foundation to pray together and walk alongside each other as you follow him. Praying together, never underestimate that. It's just talking to God, digging deep with him. Also, the Bible, God's word. It's an amazing book. And sometimes, let me be honest, I try and do this every morning. It's a routine like brushing my teeth. I feel odd. I get bad breath if I don't read it. Bad spiritual breath, okay? Really bad but basically, some days I open it and I just feel I'm just reading words. Don't give up. Keep persevering. Because there are those days when the treasure becomes real. When God really comes in and convicts me and challenges me and helps me along the way. When I went to university and I sort of escaped my background and could fully follow him, I went to a church meeting and there I found out about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in your life when you do become a Christian. But talking about baptism of the Spirit, I had water baptism and I went under the waters when I was at university, which was great. My mum wouldn't speak to me for three months when that happened. Okay, it was hard, but I knew I had to say yes because Jesus was my Lord. I wanted to follow him. So when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit filled me, I started to speak in tongues, which means a heavenly language. It might not be a language you know, but that really helps me as a disciple. When I don't know what to pray, I just feel these words and I feel that connection with the Holy Spirit who walks alongside me. It gives me wisdom, gives me wisdom, those words. So I've I said I've got four children. Teenage years are tough. Lots of gray hair. You know what? I was advised by a really dear friend to go into children's bedrooms at night and pray in tongues in their rooms. In difficult situations, to pray in tongues. Just so I felt that extra power. And, you know, God now can give me pictures for people, give me words of wisdom, and they're all his gifts. They're free. And it's just an amazing thing, the Holy Spirit who walks. He walks alongside us. Also, being in connection with people, being in connect group. We go to a connect group, which is great now. And so when I was at universities in the Christian Union, meet with fellow Christians, okay? That's so, so important to be together, to be connected. And church, I love church. I would start going to church properly when I was at university. Never give up. It's hard to come to church. I remember when my dad died, it was really hard to walk back into church. And there's been times with bereavements. And when I was going through just a really difficult time with Neil in our marriage, when he was not feeling well, and I wanted to walk away from my vows I had made. And yet I still came to church. Didn't want to be here, but being in church, serving each other, 
It's just so important to be as a follower of Jesus. I've learned recently about time to be. Even in, I work as a teacher. I've worked as a teacher for many years. Time to be in my job. Time to be around people. Learning to praise God for what he's given us in nature, with each other, having a drink of wine, eating with each other. They're all times to be a blessing to each other and learn to grow in Jesus. I love music, and I've learned recently it doesn't just have to be worship music. I love to worship God. I love to move and worship him on my own. And often when you're having dark times, it's good to put music on, to just keep following him. But you know what? Any music could be Stormzy's Blinded by Grace, could be a piece of classical music, could even be Take That. Suck it, Simon. What are you talking about there? Come on, take that. Could be Robbie Williams. God has made music. I believe that. If you sometimes people aren't keen on worship music, something we can't get there. But you know what? God uses people, uses words, and it's amazing what we can get and draw close to Him through that. As a disciple, the question I've often been asked and I ask myself many times, is what happens in the tough times when I can't feel God, when I can't feel his touch, when I can't hear him? I used to ask my class at school, where is Jesus now? I used to come up with some very odd questions, very odd answers, sorry, they used to. And I used to say to them, he's by your side. And so, I'm going to move on to this poem, which I think sums it all up. It's quite an old poem. Nobody knows who wrote it. But in case you haven't heard it, I think it's good to read again because that helps answer this question. One night, I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and one to the, my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you once said, you said, once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand. When I needed you the most, you would leave me, he whispered. My precious child, I love you and you will never leave me. Never, ever during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. As a follower, I am learning all the time about God's silence. He is so close that sometimes we don't always need reassurance of his voice and touch. And in his silence, he is trusting us to form an even more intimate relationship with him. He's always with us. He's whispering, he's watching, and he's holding us. And I love the bit in the film, the BFG, where Sophie's in the window. She cannot see the giant. She cannot feel the giant. And he's saying, jump. 
And sometimes we have to do that. God asked me to jump from a job I loved at the King's School. I don't know why. I'm still finding out why. It was heartbreaking to do. But he said, do it. There was something in me. And I've done it. And I've just got trust in him for that. Sometimes that happens, okay? Sometimes we cannot feel him. And I love, uh, I follow a very modern philosopher who's very famous, whose words are just amazing. Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) And he says to Tigger, life is a journey to be experienced, not a problem to be solved. We grow in the highs and the lows, but we grow most when it's tough. I didn't want to go through some of the things I've gone through with my family, my marriage, my relationships. But I'll tell you what, I'm thankful now because that's when I grew to love Jesus more and more as a follower of him. Jesus is my master and my friend. And I am proud to say that this quote as well is great from the great philosopher. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Jesus is my master and my friend. And I carry on following him because he is always at my side, even when I can't feel him. He has proved this over the last 45 years plus. What about my future as a follower? Here it is in a nutshell. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Bit of Greek for you, Neil. Race means agon from the English word agony. It is hard. I love to walk. I don't like to run. I like to meander. I don't like to jog. But as a Christian, I don't know my future but I want to finish strong. The strongest step was Jesus's last step. And he created me and you to be intimate with him. Not just in church, prayer, worship, Bible weeks. Not just in time of need, but in all that we do. Amen. I want to hear, what's it been like for a, a teenager who's choosing to follow Jesus? How does that work for you? So Flo, come and give us 10 minutes of super, fantastic, amazing preaching that's going to make Judith go, wow. Is that all right? Yeah, we won't mention your head teacher sitting over there either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go for it, Flo. Okay. Hi. <laughs> um, imagine yourself on a boat. Imagine that the boat is in the middle of a storm. The waves are crashing against a boat. The lightning is striking the sky, lighting up the sea. The rain is falling from the clouds, hitting your face, and you can feel the wind rocking the boat from side to side. What do you do? You could simply put your head between your knees and pretend it's not happening. You could scream for help from anyone nearby. You could jump overboard and attempt to swim to shore, or you could try to do something that will help you see the storm through. I wonder what you would do. In Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27, we read of the disciples who found themselves in a boat that was surrounded by a storm. Sometimes, life can seem like a storm. We're in it. We can't get out of it. But it's what we do when we're in the storm that makes the difference. The disciples didn't put their heads between their knees and pretend it wasn't happening. They might have screamed for help from someone nearby. But they didn't jump overboard and attempt to swim to shore. 
Instead, they went to where Jesus was sleeping to wake him up. He seemed like the only option left because they thought they were going to drown. This is one of many examples of when Jesus used a situation the disciples found themselves in to teach them something new. Here, he taught them about having faith in him and how they needed to grow in it. He says, you, of little faith, why are you so afraid? What Jesus did next was amazing. He got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it became completely calm. They didn't need to be afraid of the storm and fear drowning because Jesus was with them the whole time. Jesus responds by telling them that they needed to grow in their faith of him, which is what this is all about. There are countless examples of when Jesus taught them how to live, which is what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is limitless. It's something we're always growing in and something we'll never reach the maximum in. In Romans 12 verse 2 it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the message version says it like this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your, eyes on, <laughs> fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Discipleship is this. It's constantly being changed from the inside out. We'll never reach the end goal or the finished product, but instead always be being transformed into becoming more like Jesus, like the disciples. You can obviously see that I'm still young and have a lot to learn, but over the last couple of years, I've become more confident in my faith and learned lots more. Something I try to do is read the Bible every night before I go to sleep. I use an app on my phone called YouVersion, which is the Bible, but easy accessible and a version you can use to explore more. I visit the app most days and use some of its tools. One of them encourages you to use emojis to reflect an emotion you may be feeling. It then points you to a relevant part of the Bible. For example, if you are full of happiness, it might take you to Psalm 9 verse 1 to 2, <laughs> which says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. But if you are stressed, it might take you to 1 Peter 5 verse 7, which says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I find this tool really helpful because the Bible is so big. I sometimes get lost in all the words. I occasionally wouldn't know where to look when feeling these emotions. Recently, there was a time where I was questioning whether there was a living God. I have grown up in church. Jesus has always been a part of my life. And so I recently reached a point where I was wondering if I believed God to be true for myself. This that was helpful in my discipleship as it helped me grow in faith as it pointed me to different parts of the Bible. There were so many verses that encouraged and convinced me that he is real. As part of my discipleship over the last few months, I've been reminded again that God is a friend. He is a friend from the very beginning. Sometimes, with school friends or neighbours, I can't help it but feel left out. My youth Bible has in it, alongside different passages, stories, reflections and examples. I was once reading part of Romans and found one of these stories about this exact challenge, fitting in, where it said, Since then, God has come into my life and shown me that he loves me. And if the creator of the universe loves me, then I don't need to do anything to fit in because I already fit in to God's amazing family. I've learned that the Bible, however hard it is to sometimes open and read, is really important to my growth as a Christian. 
Without it, we wouldn't have it as a guide leading us in our learning and growth. In whatever way it's helpful to you, or using whatever method available to you, I would encourage you to make reading the Bible a priority. What I also do to keep growing in my faith and relationship with Jesus is making going to Freedom Youth a priority. Coming to church every week and going to youth at Ben and Beth's is really important to me. A thing we do at youth that helps me grow is discussing Christianity and everything around it. It helps me to learn and understand it a lot more as I can ask questions with people who want to learn more too. I really enjoy it, not only because it's great fun to play games and to see your friends, but also because it's nice to be with other Christians cheering you on and are there to learn more. I enjoy it because we can all teach each other things and use each other to build up in faith. I want to encourage you today to make meeting with people and discussing the Bible together a priority because without it, you could easily get lost in the Bible and never fully understand what you're reading. It's absolutely great to have a group of people who can help you in your journey of faith by being available to talk and pray together. I strongly encourage this. Thank you. <laughs> Jordan is often the slightly quieter half of the Hannah and Jordan combo. But do not be fooled into thinking because he likes to sit in the background, play the bass guitar, sit behind the desk, hidden from public kind of view. I think, Jordan, you've got something incredible to teach us in the way you live your life. And sometimes I find the quieter people are the ones who carry so much more. They just don't always speak out loud about it. So, Jordan, I want to encourage you, commend you to everyone here, and look forward to what you're going to say to us around the area of discipleship. Go for it. Thank you. Yes, the quieter one, definitely. <laughs> Brilliant. Have you ever had a moment in your life where God has ever blown your mind? Yeah? Today, I'm going to tell you about a time that God blew my mind. But first, good morning. My name is Jordan. Uh, I have been at Freedom Church for about three years. I've been married to Hannah for just over three years. And I've been a Christian for 20-odd years. Uh, and I'm a typical man. I eat too much, and I'm not great at listening. And Hannah will tell you, if uh, I'm playing guitar at home, she'll walk into the room and she'll want a conversation. But do you know what? I have to put the guitar down, otherwise what she says goes in one ear and out the other. But this morning, I want to tell you uh, some of my thoughts on what it's like to be a follower of Christ. Earlier this year, Hannah and I attended David's Tent. David's Tent is a large Christian uh, worship festival. It has um, lots of worship music, camping, portaloos, and other festival-related smells. <laughs> other Christian festivals are available. Um, but the idea is this. Every day you wake up, you go to the big top, and you worship all day. Um, one morning, I was stood near the front of this tent, and... It's full of other Christians, and they're all worshipping, and they're all singing their hearts out. And you know what? The music is loud, and the lights are spinning, and the band is playing amazing. The flag wavers are waving, the painters are painting, the drummer's drumming, and the bass is pumping. And do you know what? I am totally disengaged. I'm stood there, and I'm just 
spectating. So I did something I've been doing for a little while, and I have a saying, and I bring it out nearly every time I'm in church, and it's this. Here I am, God. I find myself in your house again. It sounds a little bit less epic in my head. But this year, I can remember having said that in various places. I've said that in a cathedral in Spain. I've said that at a cathedral in Chester. I've said that at a church in Totten where my brother goes. I've said it in Stafford where my in-laws are. And I say it almost every Sunday morning I'm in church. But what does that mean? Here I am, God. I find myself in your house again. That sentence is an open invite from me to God asking him to speak to me. So I say this at David's tent when I'm stood at the front of this tent and I'm totally disengaged. And do you know what? Something strange happens. I'm looking around the room and I see this odd looking person. And God says, I'm going to use this person to blow your mind. After looking further at the person, I realized that she was a painter. And it looked as though she was gearing up to paint something. I said, God, don't you know me? I really don't get art. I'm more of a music guy or, or a video guy. They're my thing. He said, Jordan, I'm going to blow your mind. I said, okay. So reluctantly, I began to further inspect this painter. And it's not Helen Bragg. Helen Bragg uh, is, bears no resemblance to the person I'm going to speak about today. It's an older lady, and she's just about to begin on a fresh new canvas. And the best and only way I can think to describe this person is being totally scatty. Before she began work on the painting, she wanted to get rid of the water she'd used on the painting before because it was all dirty. So what she did was she hopped and she skipped away through the crowds. She ran to the door and she launched the water out the door. Thankfully, it was raining, so if it hit anyone, they wouldn't have noticed. But then she, got to, she started work on this painting. And this is just my crude example of what it looked like. But she started with long yellow horizontal lines of paint across the bottom half of the canvas. And this was followed with long red strokes across the top of the canvas. And it seemed to take an age just to put two colors on. But I guess she was taking her time. Each color was carefully positioned on the canvas. And she stopped painting. I had no idea what was going on. And then, she flipped the canvas from landscape to portrait. So I stared deep into the painting, trying to decipher what this meant. Ooh, I know, is this a perspective thing, God? Do I need to see things a little bit differently? No answer. And she continued to paint. Now she began adding curvy threads of gold paint over the top of the other two colors. Uh, and you know what? The, the painting continued to take shape. But it was at this point I realized 
But the painting that I've been staring at for the last 10 minutes really wasn't that great. (laughs) I looked around the room. I, I could see probably 20 or 30 other paintings. I looked left and I looked right. And I could see intricate paintings, works of art. There was paintings of uh, someone's hands in the air praising God. There was a picture over here of a girl dancing. And I could see the beauty in those things. And you know what? I couldn't see the beauty in the colors yellow, red, and gold. Do you know what? The painting that I've been staring at didn't even have shading. I said, God, what is this thing? The others look so much better than mine does. I don't get art, and I don't get what you're trying to do here. He said to me, Jordan, I'm going to blow your mind. So the painter continued for another five minutes, adding to the image. The canvas was now nearly covered, and it seemed as though she was coming to the end. I waited patiently. And nothing happened until she put down the brushes. She took a step back. She put her hands on her hips. And she admired her masterpiece. And that was it. My mind was blown. This ugly, rushed, three-color painting that had no shading, that wasn't as nice as the other paintings, was me. And this... And in this strange metaphor, this strange old lady was God, my creator. It says, God has made me in his image. And when he looks at me, he sees Jesus, his son. I am his perfect masterpiece. No matter how we look at ourselves, we are God's masterpieces. And we may not always feel like it. And we definitely don't always act like it. But because of Christ's sacrifice... We can live in the righteousness of God. And I love this. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Psalm 139.14 says this, "For I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that. Full well. I've noticed something. I've noticed that I don't hear from God 100% of the time that I'm not listening. There are so many things that we can take from this story. And to me, it means more than just being God's masterpiece. To me, it's about positioning yourself. Positioning yourself so that you're ready to hear from God when he speaks. With Hannah, when she comes in the room and wants a conversation with me, I have to put that guitar down. It's a deliberate thing I have to do, otherwise I won't hear her. And I think it's exactly the same with God. If we want to hear from God, we've got to be deliberate about it. We've got to position ourselves to hear from him. David's tent was an example of me putting myself in a position where I could hear from him. And in our day-to-day lives, we have uh, opportunities to put ourselves in those positions. Do you know what I found? We're so much better at finding excuses not to put ourselves in those positions. What will people think 
or I just don't have time for that today. But trust me, every time I've put myself in a position to hear from him, he's spoken and it's been beneficial to my life. And I can promise you, if you do the same, it will be the same for you. You never know what strange and unseemly random thing God might use to blow your mind. Becoming more Christ-like every day is about listening to God, trusting that he will speak. The more time we find to listen, the more opportunities we take to hear from him, the more he can mold us and shape us into the masterpieces he originally designed us to be. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.